The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Oh, 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 as Claire would say, I am such a naughty host. Such a tease. But finally, on this Tentacle Tuesday, we will resolve one very important little detail. What did happen to Geraldine Hicks? Was that her Jonas sensed? Was Mr. Alistair correct? And Rune's mudmen now have her in their possession? I guess there's only one way to find out. So I recommend to you to get comfortable. So grab your loved ones and hold them close. Maybe a cup of brandy since the weather's getting cold or something else. For you younger folks, some hot chocolate and a little peppermint. Anything to take the chill off your bones. (laughs) As you do, please remember that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, child endangerment, and naughty, salty language. Now, it's time to grab your tentacles as we slip into the wake of darkness with Chapter 18, Loss. As the trees thinned, Hicks could hear the sound of low chanting and catch the glimpses of twisted painted faces. Sick, evil laughter and tortured delight as the scenery changed from the wood to an open clearing. Nearby, a deep guttural voice echoed into the night. Aha! Bring her to me! The mudmen turned towards the sound of his voice and marched up the stone pathway. Rising up like teeth on either side were tentacle-shaped columns reaching into the air. As she neared this man, she could feel his hot breath on her. So, this is the source of all my pain. All my trouble. His face was pale, painted with blue tattoos that cut and twisted in unusual manners. Lay her out on the table and tie her down so that she cannot resist. The mudmen marched up the stone steps and towards a stone table surrounded by skulls of hundreds who had died here before. Hicks could hear them crunch like twigs under the mudmen's feet. She felt them rip the remains of her dress off and the icy cold table on her bare back as they laid her out. The chanting grew louder and she could hear a clattering noise like teeth. She tried to look around, but she could only see columns holding torches. She wanted to run to scream, to resist, but all her strength was gone. She just lay there, looking up endlessly into the night sky, hoping, praying that someone would save her. Please. Oh, God, please. Please. Again, that booming voice echoed into the night, and she could hear cheering and chanting in unison. Allah, Ikyatsu! Mano, Ikyatsu! Call them, Ikyatsu! An icy chill went down her spine and she could feel him approaching. The one who ordered her tied down. He made her skin crawl and she tugged with what little effort she had to free herself. 
The chanting continued in the background, and his grotesque smile filled her sightline. Good evening, Geraldine Hicks. He held forth a cruel stone knife. It was the one she had used to kill Rogers. Recognize it. Tears filled her eyes as she whimpered. You have cost me a lot. You and that twisted, stupid doll, Claire Thomas. So unfortunate. Such a confused creature. He ran his fingers over the blade and his eyes flashed a deep red. Do you feel it? The new moon rises behind me. When it reaches its height, I will tear out that pretty little heart of yours and feed it to the well just beyond that wall. Your blood with the new moon's power will act like bait and bring forth the destroyer, the one to consume all, Ikiatsu. He ran the knife between her breast to emphasize his point her body twisting away in defiance. My, 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 you really are a feisty one. It's a shame, really. I would have rather have saved you and kept you as a pet. She wanted to retch at the thought. His touch was beyond nauseating. He withdrew his hands and spread out his arms. Actually, this is better for you. You will die, alone, unloved, and give birth to the end of all things that he created. Again he began to chant as he raised his arms and the dagger to the sky. Allah Ikyatsu, Ma Nor Ikyatsu, Kol Dem Ikyatsu. Then she heard what sounded like glass collapsing around them. Master Rune! Master Rune, they have come! Rune frowned. He had to finish this. Finish it now! Damn them! Behind him, he heard the sound of wet feet on the cement slapping their way towards him. I will finish this, Master Rune. Go. Take care of those insignificant insects. A twisted rancored arm covered in black ooze put its bony hand over Rune's and the blade. Rune relinquished it to her and bowed, stepping aside. I will end them for you, my mistress. Go, she barked. I will do as you have failed. I will bring forth Ikyatsu. Rune turned his back to them both and descended the stairs. A long, sunken face of bone and flesh swirling together hung over Hicks. Mangled black hair hiding its yellowing, mucus-covered eyes. A foul stench overwhelmed Hicks, and she shut her eyes, wishing she couldn't breathe. It raised its bony arms as flesh licked its way over her, wrapping her slowly, giving her almost a human form. In some ways, she reminded Hicks of Claire Thomas, but more hideous, older, emanating hatred and evil. Now, where was my pathetic servant? Oh, yes, that's right. Allah, Yatsu, Mano, Yatsu, Kodem, Yatsu. Geraldine grabbed a cup of hot coffee 
and let the smell fill her nostrils as she left the small kitchen and sat down at the breakfast bar. A light rain was falling, making a mess of the leaves she had raked up yesterday morning. Meow. The familiar sound of her cat Meander met her ears and she felt him nudge her feet and then legs. Meander, that tickles. Meander jumped from the floor onto the neighboring stool and then onto the top of the breakfast bar. Hicks gave him a stern look. You're not supposed to be up here, you know that. But the cat stubbornly ignored her and nudged her face. Oh, sweetie, you've missed mommy. Meow. She pulled the cat towards her and cradled it, rubbing its belly. I've missed you too. Meander's paw touched her chin and she looked deeply into the cat's eyes. Hot tears began to roll down her cheeks and onto the cat's face and whiskers. But the cat didn't move away. It just blinked and meowed at her again. Why was she crying? She wiped them away and more came flowing out. I'm sorry, baby. Why am I crying? Why? Then she caught something far off in the cat's eyes. It was her, lying naked on a stone table, a stream of blood pouring from the center of her chest. She looked back at the cat, who was now crying as well, as the coffee fell out of her hand and the cup crashed onto the floor. I'm sorry, Meander. Oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Alex Kuchma slowly followed the beast from above as she had done before. She hoped that it could lead her to another doorway, like the one she slipped through, like the one it had gone through. If she could slip past it in the chaos, maybe, just maybe, she could find her way home. She thought about her mother, how lonely she must be. Losing dad had been hard on her, making her overprotective. She wanted to go back to be with her, to protect her. But how? The creature below paused. This wasn't anything new. It often stopped the feed or sniffed the air searching for her. As long as she stayed away from it, she should be... Then she noticed. The air around her felt charged. The bat-like creatures around it scattered into the air and the thing lifted its ugly face and looked directly at her. She went all the way back against the cliff's face as it roared, shaking in fear as the terrible sloshing noise of the tentacles gripping the sides of the cavern as it started to climb up. She could feel them tearing at the rock surface, snapping and crumbling the stone underneath its massive weight. Why? It hadn't seen her. It hadn't shown any interest in her presence. So why? Why now? Something, no, someone tugged at her sleeve, and she nearly let out a terrified scream. But the person's hand quickly covered her mouth. Sorry, she said. I didn't mean to frighten you, she whispered. I'm going to take my hand away now, so please don't scream, okay? Alex nodded. The person pulled their hand away, and Alex turned to see who else was stuck in this nightmarish world. The girl standing before her looked a little sheepish, staring at the ground and not looking directly at her as she asked, Are you okay? Yes, Alex replied. 
Who are you? I think I'm Alicia. Alicia Cohen. Think, Alex said, a little confused by the brown pigtailed girl with freckles and red rimmed glasses. Yes. I really can't remember much, the girl said, polishing her glasses with a small cloth she kept neatly in her top blouse pocket. I think, I think I might have been someone else recently, but I can't be sure. That's okay, Alex said, trying to be comforting. I'm Alex, the girl smiled and said, Yes, I know. Alex just gave her a confused look, and the girl grabbed her hand and started pulling her further into the cave as a massive tentacle reached the cave's mouth, its eyes rolling as it sniffed the air looking for its prey. Man, Alicia said, those things really give me the creeps. I'm sorry, Alex said. You should leave. I think they're after me. The girl snickered a little. No, they barely notice you. They're actually after me. At least, they should be. Or were. Or am... Oh, God, this is so confusing. I have two sets of memories. Anyway, Alicia said, we need to get away from it as fast as we can. But I was hoping to follow it to another door, to slip past it and maybe go home. The girl shook her head. No, that's no good. You really can't get past it. The only reason you got through that crack in the fireplace is because Master Rune failed to capture you in a soul jar. Alex froze. You? How do you know that? Alex demanded. And how did you know that creepy man's name? The girl's face was in obvious pain. I, I don't remember. I can't remember. Please, just trust me. Then, at least explain one thing to me. Why is it after you? Alex asked. Or, I'm not moving another inch. <sighs> well, I think I was supposed to be here. Not you, Alicia said. Mom, Claire, she had hoped it wouldn't notice the switch. Alex was beyond confused. But the more she looked at Alicia, the more she recognized the mannerisms, the voice tonalities. This was someone she once knew very well. But who? Anyway, Alicia continued, you can't leave that way. I need to bring you to another spot. There, he will come for you and send you home. He? Don't worry, he's a good guy. A little rough around the edges sometimes, but wait, how do I know that? Damn, 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 I wish I could think straight. It was so much easier before. Alex just stared at Alicia in disbelief. She looked almost like a channel on an old TV that wasn't quite coming in correctly. Her face, her features flickering between people. Alicia she didn't recognize, but the other face. Michael, she started to reach out to Alicia. How can you be Michael? Alicia froze. Oh boy, you um, recognize the other me, huh? Yes, I do. And how could I forget? You and I were friends. I was at... Oh God, Michael, something awful happened to you, Alex said. Alicia got very quiet. Alex, Michael, 
Michael was never real. He was a doll given life by a soul you see before you. Me, Alicia. I was kidnapped and sacrificed to allow him to be born. But the thing that gave us life was an incompetent creation herself. So Michael took on real characteristics, a real human form, my soul, its love, its desires. Anyway, the girl said, I'm here to try to help you. But, Alex asked, how? Alicia smiled. I'm not 100% certain myself. Like I said, Alicia said, knocking on her head. I have two of me in here, and it's confusing. Michael's genuine feelings for you brought me here. He wanted to make sure you got home, to your body, safe and sound. What about him? You? Alex asked. Not now, Alex. He's coming. We need to move. The noise came as several tentacles could be seen, pushing their wave into the cave mouth, causing the stalactites and stalagmites to crumble and fall around them. They raced deeper until they found a crack in the cave wall that led them out to the other side of the mountain. Alex could see a bridge hanging in the air and crossing what appeared to be a temple floating in the sky. You must cross that bridge if you want to go home. He will be here soon to get you. Who? Wait. What about you? Alex begged. An icy cold gust of air plummeted from above and into the valley below. Nothing moved, and the sound of the horrible tentacle thromping, moving, had stopped. The sky turned a deep red, and like Yatsu itself, eyes spread across it from horizon to horizon. She could hear an awful chanting and the sound of a knife ripping open flesh. A heartbeat echoed as a triumphant scream rose from above. She looked towards her left. The thing was now moving at a furious pace towards a mountaintop, its tentacles reaching for the sky as if the very sound of the heartbeat had called to it. A dark rain of blood poured down on it, as if someone was bleeding from above the sky. The bat-like things swirled in confusion and excitement in the red rain, screeching, landing in puddles and drinking every ounce they could. It was horrifying. She felt the girl, Alicia, tap her on his shoulder, and she turned away from the chaos. Alicia smiled at her for a brief moment, and then she saw Michael Thomas once more. Go. You must go. I've done my part now. Now I can sleep. Alex started to cry. But what about you? Michael, Alicia, pushed her onto the bridge as the mountain they stood on began to fall backwards, crumbling to the valley floor. Alicia never moved, never wavered, as everything fell from around her. She just became one with the rocks and the dust, and then was gone. She could still hear her, his voice. Go, quickly, he's coming for you. He'll bring you home. With tears burning in her eyes, she ran as hard as she could towards the temple, the bridge falling away in chunks behind her until she reached the other side safely. It was a weird place, almost like a shadow tombstones encircling a monolithic-looking doorway that stood in the middle. And she could smell something familiar. Rosemary? 
Behind her, flames scorched the sky in every direction, as a horrible scream could be heard in every direction. A plume of smoke filled the air, and all the eyes that once stretched across it closed as she could hear someone, a wretched voice, yelling, You can't kill me! I'm immortal! Then, everything went pitch black. A barrier falls. Rune descends into battle as the High Mother plunges a dagger into our heart. Poor, poor Hicks. Poor Meander, her cat. Such a pity that the darkness has swept you away. Which begs the question, how will our hero respond? How will he be able to still stop Ikiatsu? And what of Jonah and his battle? Rune, the High Mother, and monsters from the waste await you, my friend. All coming up in the next exciting chapter of Detective Warren Stevens vs. the Cult of Igyatsu in Chapter 19, Confrontation.